everybody. Welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I am sure is already planning to get some home Memphis Grizzlies playoff tickets. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing good, and I'm definitely uh, excited to know that we've already clinched, and I'm already plotting ways to try to get a couple a couple of tickets to a couple games. Of course, you got to get in some games for me too. We got a cool show for you guys today. Of course, we're going to break down the biggest. NFL trades because over this past week there have been quite a few of them we're going to discuss which incumbent quarterback we would rather have Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield and then we're going to of course close out the show with talking about some NBA action and discuss how much better the Nets will be with Kyrie Irving returning full time but before we get to any of that please sure to check out the xreport.net I repeat the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the x report so without further ado let's go ahead and get things kicked off starting with our college football player spotlight the draft is just a little over a month away however there's a player who i am sure his draft stock is going to be dropping david ajabo outside linebacker for the uh, michigan wolverines during his pro day tore his achilles and expect it is expected to be out for the next six months of action now ethan i don't know if you've seen the video of his injury or not but it's caused a lot of uproar because player players and um members of the media recognize that none of the coaches none of the assistants nobody really went to check on him and said they just went on to the next drill so I, like I said, I'm not sure if you've seen that video or not, but if you have, what were your initial thoughts about it? Um, I have seen it. I didn't watch the full video, but I saw like a glimpse of it when I was just scrolling through Twitter one day. And my thoughts are that this that's the full-blown example of the unforgiving business that the NFL is. That you have a young man who is in his pro day trying to put on a showcase so he can further secure his future as an NFL player and he has a horrific injury and nobody checks on him. Like that shows how um how I don't I guess the best word to say it in some sense might be degrading that the NFL can be sometimes and it shows that they view us, they view players as um as um property and not people. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. I think that it was definitely a bad look, especially because I mean, you look at the video. There's so many people there. Um, and so because of that, it's just like you're kind of hoping that somebody would recognize and be like, hey, let me go check on this guy. So it's very frustrating. And I'm sure in that moment, um, David was probably feeling some type of way. Um, of course, you know, you don't want to show that you're hurt. You want to keep going. But especially with an injury as serious as an Achilles tear, you want to be able to you want to have somebody look out for you and to not have that I'm sure that definitely was a big blow to I'm sure his confidence I'm sure it made him feel some type of way like it made a lot of people feel some type of way so yeah no definitely not the best video the world has ever seen but I still think that with his talent and his potential I still think he ends up as a late one to the second round pick I think that he's still going to end up getting drafted just because the potential is through the roof for him and I think that he's going to be able to do some big things at the next level once he's able to come back 
and be healthy. But let's talk about guys who are already doing big things at the next level. Because as I mentioned, quite a few trades have gone down since we last recorded. And if you guys listened, caught the end of the show, we were talking about the um, Devontae Adams trade as soon as it happened. We were actually closing out the show, and then we both got the notification. So um, as you all know by now, he is now a Las Vegas Raider. And for the compensation of a... 2022 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick um and then the Raiders of course get Devontae Adams um and he's going to be making big bank he's going to be making um a lot of money and at the time it was going to make him the highest paid wide receiver I think it was like a five-year 141 million dollar deal if I am not mistaken um yeah and at the time like I said he was the highest paid wide receiver until we get to the next person we're going to talk about but let's kind of look at this trade Ethan who is the winner and loser of this trade for you uh the winner is obvious is Devontae Adams um granted I understand that he he isn't playing with um Aaron Rodgers anymore and they had an amazing connection as a quarterback wide receiver, but what's the next best thing is going to a team and playing with their old college teammate. And not only doing that, but going to a team and as soon as you get um, traded to this team, they make you the second paid player at your position. At the time that they did it, they made you the highest paid player at your position. And I just think that, you know, even though the AFC West is um, it's tough is an understatement. And the NFC North is very, um, it was very Packers dominant. But the thing I feel like in the case of like the situation with the Packers is they always dominated in the regular season and they always came up short in the playoffs. And even though they re-signed Aaron Rodgers and they had the once Adams on the franchise tag, in my opinion, it felt like it would have been the same scenario that they were going to be going into this um upcoming season where like they would look like a great team during the regular season and then they might face a particular team in the playoffs and they might get put out at least with the Raiders you get a brand new opportunity with a brand new team a team that's made moves so far that's showing that they're invested in winning like they brought in Chandler Jones they brought some other pieces in as well so I think that Devontae Adams won as far as the loser is obvious is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because now you've not only have you lost your best weapon in um, Devontae Adams, but now you lost Marquise Vontaze. Um, I forget how to pronounce his last name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Vontaze. I believe. Oh, Marquise Vontaze Scantling. Yeah, you lost. So now you've lost two weapons. You lost two. You lost your top weapon, and you lost a key complementary piece. And now the pressure's on Aaron Rodgers, and the pressure's on Green Bay to use this draft um this draft to retool because we don't know if they're going to sign free agents we don't know what's going to happen with it because i mean if i'm not mistaken um they have julio they have odell but odell's injured so he won't be back before the season starts if you have julio who knows what he's going to look like a lot of the top free agent wide receivers have already been claimed so the cover is kind of bare for wide receivers yeah, I feel you on that. Um, going with my winner, um, I'm saying Derek Carr. I mean, we talked about it a lot last year. It seemed like wide receivers and just playmakers were going down 
um, pretty easily in Las Vegas. And to don't get me wrong, Hunter Renfro was great. Darren Waller has been one of the league's best tight ends for the past few years now. But even still, they just needed a spark on the outside. And really, at this moment, I don't think there's a bigger spark that you can have than Devontae Adams. You already touched on the relationship that he and Adams had um, going back to their playing days in college and becoming really good friends. Even David Carr, uh, Derek's brother, pretty much said, like, Devontae was like family to them. So being able to get a star wide receiver, I think that's going to pay big dividends, especially throughout the course of the season. And especially when they're in those tight holes where maybe things aren't working on the inside with Waller and Renfro. And then loser, I got Packers Super Bowl chances. I mean, I like you mentioned, I mean, we've seen the Packers just dominate in the regular season. But once they get to the playoffs, it's a whole different ball game. They're not the same team. And honestly... You know, you and I have talked about it a lot. Even when um, Aaron Rodgers was saying that he was coming back, neither of us was totally sold on him taking them to the Super Bowl again, or at least not this upcoming season. And so now losing your best offensive player in Devontae Adams, especially in the way that you did, because apparently the Packers offered him even more money than the Raiders got, but he just did not want to take it. I mean, that says a lot about this organization and even Aaron Rodgers himself. So I think that right now, as you mentioned, they could definitely look to the draft to bring in somebody or they could look at free agency and bring in a veteran, which I think is something that they'll end up doing. But on overall, this is a really big blow to the uh, Packers. All right, speaking of another big blow, in a shocking turn of events, wide receiver Tyreek Hill was traded from the Kansas City Chiefs um, just a couple of days ago for pretty quite a bit of compensation. Um, in exchange, Tyreek Hill was going to the Dolphins while the Chiefs got five draft picks. Um, the 2022 first-round pick, 2022 second-round pick, 2022 fourth-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and a 2023 sixth-round pick. In addition to that, Tyreek Hill then became the highest-paid wide receiver, making signing a four-year, $120 million extension with $72 million fully guaranteed so ethan same thing winners and losers of this trade um with this one i'm going to start with the loser i'm going to say the loser is i have i have a combined loser the loser is travis kelsey and patrick mahomes combined Mm -hmm. and the reason i say both of them combined is obviously for patrick mahomes you're losing your most dynamic weapon in that offense you're losing your number one wide receiver. Um, I I heard a stat that I might butcher, but out of Patrick Mahomes is 140, I think 44 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill received, has been on the receiving end of like 109 though. And I might be wrong with that, but I heard something along those lines where he's basically received the huge bulk of Patrick Mahomes touchdowns over the course of his career. Um, the reason I say Travis Kelsey is now, um, bro, all the pressure's on you. Right. Um, like, you you don't have the speedster and the dangerous weapon that people have to um, consider and play over the top and have a safety over the top at all times. Now, you're probably going to be looking at double teams. You're probably going to be looking at more... Um, and more jams all coming off the line. You're going to be looking at a lot more attention because that 
that threat of Tyreek Hill speed is off the field. So I have to go with those two combined. And the winner, in my opinion, it's easy. It's Tyreek Hill. Um, we don't know what the situation was that he is um, the reason why he was traded. Not even the fact that he was traded, but the fact that he was traded so quickly. Because it's like, it felt like literally we just, we saw the little um, notifications from, I think it was Shams or, no, Ian Rappaport, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. saying that it was interesting him being traded to the Jets and the Dolphins. And then it felt like within 30, 45 minutes, it was announced that he was traded. Um, so I don't know what, um, what went on there. Maybe it was a, it was a locker room decision that the Chiefs made. But to be traded to not only probably one of the better um, off-the-field places to live and just one of the better stadiums as far as weather to be in in Miami, and then not only you get that, then you get made the highest receiver in the NFL. Once you sign with them and the trade becomes official, I have to say Tyreek Hill won in that scenario. I'm actually on the opposite side of it. I... Okay, I won't specifically say Tyreek Hill. I will say people who draft Tyreek Hill in fantasy. Because I think that we have gotten so accustomed to him making those huge splash plays and speeding past defenders, catching balls 50, 60 yards downfield. But we have to take into account that he has a brand new quarterback. And this brand new quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. And no disrespect to Tua, but Tua is not the one to really be throwing the ball deep. Um, not really going to be taking too many chances downfield, which is something that was really a calling card and something that was loved by Patrick Mahomes in that offense. It's a completely different offense, and it's going to be something similar to what the 49ers were running, which was very run-heavy. And so I think that in some opportunities they're going to use Tyreek Hill in end-arounds and things of that nature, but in terms of him putting up the overall production that he originally had in Kansas City, I think those days are long gone. Um, but in terms of a winner, I'm going to say Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the Chiefs' run game. I think that, yes, you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, you sign MVS. But even still, we've seen it. Juju is not exactly equipped to be a number one wide receiver. And neither has MVS uh, shown that ability either. And so because of that, I think that they're going to rely on their run game a lot more than they have in the past. And I think if you ask me, their best running back is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know injuries kind of took him out of commission for a bit, but when he was on the field, he made a lot of impact plays. And I think that we're going to see more of the Chiefs run game this upcoming season than we have in years past. All right, we're going to take it to your team, the Tennessee Titans, who traded a six-round pick for next year, a.k.a. got a steal for wide receiver Robert Woods. I like this trade a lot. So I'll start with you though. Winners and losers of the Robert Woods trade. Winners, the Tennessee Titans organization as a whole. And I think it's because we went with the experiment this past season of trying out Julio Jones and being a complimentary piece next to AJ Brown. And it showed it showed great flashes of potential. But given his um, Julio Jones' inability to stay on the field, we never were able to see the full fruit and benefit of him being on the field with AJ. And another reason is I think that when he's healthy and once he gets healthy, Robert Woods will be a great complement to AJ Brown because Robert Woods is a 
initially, first and foremost, he's a deep threat. And he's a deep threat that thrives off play action pass game. And if not I'm not gonna even say if. When Derrick Henry returns this season fully healthy and he's back to being his normal self and we get Robert Woods, we're going to see that play action pass and that ability to great dividends. And also, he's one of the better route runners in the NFL. And I think that that's something that we um, we need as a whole because I think that we, we had outside of AJ and Julio, we had some trouble last season getting separation with our other wide receivers. And he brings a winning culture and a winning mindset to the organization. We've already had one in place, but he's just another call to that machine to where it's like, hey, we have another guy who's who's been a winner in this league, and he's going to help some of our younger guys uh, fall in line with their culture. Yeah. Um, as far as the, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. I, I was going to say, as far as the loser, um, I'm probably going to say Matthew Stafford. And the reason I say that is because, yes, I know that they have Cooper Cup, and I know that Odell was in his – he's probably re-signing, and he's injured as well. But who's to say that if, Matt, um, if Odell goes elsewhere, outside of Cooper Cup, you don't really have any other wide receivers left. And if you bring in that same team and you just have Cooper Cup, it's just so – Wire, uh, wire receiver threat. Like, you have Tyler Peek be a tight end who showed flashes, but teams are going to be able to hone in on him. And I understand that he had the most receiving yards in the history of the NFL this past season, but he did a lot of it when you had a competent um, secondary wide receiver to take up some of that slack. So I would say Matthew Stafford. I feel you on that. All right, um, for me, a winner is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you saw it. I saw it. Injuries really plagued the Titans this past season, especially on the offensive side of the ball. A.J. Uh, Brown was dealing with injuries for most of the year. Lost Derrick Henry for over half of the regular season. Julio Jones was not able to stay on the field really much of anything. And so bringing in a player like Robert Woods, as you mentioned, I think that supposedly he's supposed to be ready by training camp. And so that means that by week one, he should be healthy. And I'm excited, as you mentioned, kind of getting another complimentary piece who, honestly, I trust Robert Woods more at this stage of his career than Julio Jones. And I think that his ability, as you mentioned, to create that separation and to find ways to get open is going to be a big role for this Titans offense, specifically Ryan Tannehill, who caught a lot of flack for last season, especially in the postseason, which was it was earned. And so having a player like Robert Woods would definitely help to take a lot of pressure off of him and allow him to make those smart plays because his receivers will be able to get open without too much of a hassle. Uh, with regards to my loser, it was hard to really pick a loser, but I went with Cooper Cup um, just because I think that the continuity of the Rams wide receiver core played a big role in why they were able to have so much success. And don't get me wrong, Cooper Cup was a bad man. Last season, he was the best wide receiver in the league just in terms of what he was all able to accomplish. But I think that not having Robert Woods 
it's going to have an effect, especially kind of early on, just because those two played together for so long, they understood and knew what the other was going to do. And so now not only does he have to get readjusted with another receiver in Allen Robinson, but also, like you mentioned, you don't know if Odell's coming back. That was somebody he was beginning to gain, gain continuity with. So I think that that's going to be something that's really going to affect not just Cooper Cup, but the whole Rams offense. All right, a couple more trades, and of course we got to talk quarterbacks. Let's start off with a little bit of a lighter one. Matt Ryan was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. One could also call that a steal for him to essentially be the next uh, quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts saga. Who's your winner? Who's your loser here? Um, I think the winner in this trade is, honestly, I'm going to have to say Matt. Not Matt Ryan. I'm going to say the coach because I think that, yes, Matt Ryan isn't the quarterback that he's been in the past, but I think that he he's a good placeholder. He's someone that he's not necessarily at the end of his career. He's someone that you can still give the ball to and he can still make he's still capable of making plays. He's not the Phillip Rivers or the Carson Wentz experiment. Like, I would take Matt Ryan before I take either one of those two. So I have to say the Colts are the winner for being able to get him. The loser, in my opinion, is um, I'm going to say Kyle Pitts. And the reason being is because he was, he went to Atlanta as a highly talented rookie tight end who showed, who showed that he could be a great talent in the NFL. And now he's honestly being put in a situation to where he doesn't like all the weapons around him are gone and barren and he doesn't have like I know a lot of people have a lot of love and affection for Marcus Mariota but I don't know what he's going to look like as a full time starting NFL quarterback and you're putting him as a starter with the um, a weapons group that doesn't have that the only weapon is Kyle Pitts in a similar sense of what I think about Travis Kelsey like he's going to garner a lot of attention and his job just got a a lot harder because now you're the only weapon on a bad team that you don't really have a from what from what we know now is a really competent starting quarterback. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah, I hear you on that. So my winner, I'm gonna go with the pass catcher for the Colts. I'm gonna say Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman last year the, was the best year of his young career, and I feel like in getting someone like Matt Ryan, who was I feel much more cautious with the throws that he makes and I think more precise than a Carson Wentz. I think that his he has potential to have an even better year than he did previously. Um so I think that he's definitely a winner in this. And then a loser, I'm gonna say the Falcons finances because by trading Matt Ryan, they are now they were hit with a dead cap of forty and a half million dollars. That's a lot of freaking money. And I understand the reason why you trade Matt Ryan. You really need to just go ahead and set up, just fully and thrust yourself into a rebuild. Because in keeping Matt Ryan, you're not really allowing yourself to do so. But that is a lot of money um, to have on your against the cap for a player who's not even there. If I was them, I would have definitely had the coach try to take on some of this money. I think they really played themselves because with this dead cap, it's going to make it hard to bring in free agents or at least make the team at least semi-decent to watch. But all right, um, before we move on to the final trade, in your opinion, now that the Falcons did bring in Marcus Mariota, what do you think they should do with the eighth 
overall pick, do you think that they should still draft a quarterback early or should they try to get him a weapon? I think they should try to get a quarterback because Marcus Mariotti is only signed for two years and we don't know if he's even going to be there for those two years. So why not? Um, and I know that the quarterback pickings in this year's draft isn't that great, but, you know, I like Kenny Pickett to an extent. I like Malik Williams to an extent. Why not um, maybe take a reach and draft your future franchise quarterback now versus um, waiting on something of a sure draft class and you never know what's going to happen? Me personally, I would go pass catcher. I think that this is a very deep wide receiver core, but at, what I would do is I would try to bring in somebody at least to give Marcus a weapon because you're still going to be picking relatively early in the, excuse me, in the second round. So you could take a quarterback there, and I think that there are still going to be quite a few quarterbacks available because, as you mentioned, this isn't necessarily the best quarterback class we have ever seen. So quite a few guys may be able to slip into that second-round conversation, maybe a Sam Howell, maybe a Desmond Ritter, Um I don't think Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis falls. But other than that, I think that the other ones, it would not totally shock me to see three or four quarterbacks who were considered the top of the class not make it getting picked in the first round. So, yeah, I, I would I would go that route. But, all right, now we got to talk the biggest trade. After sitting out a year, getting cleared, or at least not indicted by the grand jury on his sexual misconduct charges, Sean Watson is back, baby. And not only is he back, but he's going to be back in orange. He waived his trade clause to join the um, Cleveland Browns. Not only that, but he also became the highest paid player in the NFL, signing a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And the Texans... They ended up pretty good as well. They got three first-round picks in the next subsequent years, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. Ethan, that's a lot of money to give to somebody who just took the year off and is a pretty controversial figure. So who are your winners and losers of this trade? Um, winners, I am going to say the winners are You want me to go first? No, I'm not. No, I'm good. Okay. Actually, I'm going to say the winners are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Okay. And the, re- and the reason being is because over the past couple of years, this Browns team's been identified as a run-first team. They still probably will be identified as a run-first team. But in these past, previous years, they've had a quarterback that's shown that he can be really incompetent at times. And he can't make the plays when the run game isn't where it needs to be as far as a production standpoint. You insert Deshaun Watson, he's a guy that's shown that he can make those plays. He can have, he can put the team on his back and he can win games. And it's not fully relying on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And the thing over two is when you have a competent passing game, you can't face those eight-man and nine-man boxes that you might have faced when you were going up against Baker. So that's going to give you more rushing lanes to run through. So I have to go with those guys. All right. Who's your loser of the trade? Loser, honestly. Uh, it's tough. But the loser, I got to say Baker. 
And the reason being is because I think that, for one, you've seen that he still hasn't been traded. And that shows a lot of, I think to me, that shows a lot of what teams think of him. That shows that teams don't trust him as a starting quarterback. They might not trust his maturity. And I understand, like, he was saying, like, hey, I want to get traded to the coach. And uh, for the coach to up, go up and draft Matt Ryan, a guy who was significantly older than you, that should show you something about what the, what the um, teams in the NFL think about you. So I have to say Baker because I think it's going. it might end up being a situation to where he's going to – I don't see him being a backup in Cleveland, but he's either going to be a backup in Cleveland or he's going to get cut and he's going to face the music of realizing that a lot of teams don't value him as high as he values himself. Uh, it's a funny thing about Baker. My, a friend of mine is a big, huge Browns fan. And so we were talking about Baker and wanting to get traded. And we talked about the Colts thing. And it's funny because I was like, yeah, he wants to get traded to the Colts, but the Colts don't want to trade for him. So it doesn't matter what you want if the team you want to go to doesn't feel the same way. And that's kind of what happened with Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, his future is definitely in jeopardy. But I'm going to go on a different route. In terms of my winner, I'm going to say Amari Cooper. Yes, Dak Prescott is not a terrible quarterback. Dak is fine. But I feel like in terms of overall talent and versatility, I would say Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. Let's be honest. I'm sure Amari Cooper was not the happiest camper when he found out he was going to be traded to the Browns. I'm sure he was not happy at all, especially because at the time it looked like Baker was going to be their starting quarterback. Now, not only am I getting a different quarterback, but I'm getting a better quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. But my loser is... It's weird because I view them as winners and losers, but I'm going to say Browns fans. I don't know if you've seen it or if you've heard anything, but, like, Browns fans, some Browns fans are pretty pissed off about the team trading for Deshaun Watson. And, like, part of me kind of gets it. The other part of me thinks it's being a bit blown out of proportion. Like, as you all know, I live in Ohio now, and I work for a paper not in Cleveland, but somebody called our paper. It was an older white man, of course. And he was asking me, like, the he was like, hey, can I ask you something? I said, what? He was like, if you had a kid, would you want your kid having looking up to a pervert? Referring to Deshaun Watson. People are really upset that the team gave up on Baker for Deshaun Watson. Not because Deshaun Watson's not talented or not that he's a, not a better player, but because of all the personal things and the controversy that Deshaun Watson brings <laughs> – it brings a lot of chaos. And so Browns fans, from what I've seen, are pretty conflicted. And I understand kind of the frustration with it. But, I mean, from a team standpoint, you got to understand, they want to win. And they saw that they're not going to win with Baker. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. And so all you can really hope is he keeps his, he keeps his head on straight, doesn't engage in the same activities that got him in trouble or possibly that he participated in that got him in trouble in the first place and just move on. Because at this point, there's nothing you can do about it. It's already happened. I'm sure the NFL is going to suspend him for six to eight games probably, but even still, I mean, it already happened. Yeah. So. Um, before we go on to the next topic, because of that, I definitely have to go on to a tangent right now. Yeah. So... Everybody's in uproar over everything that he's done, and rightfully so. Like I stated, like I've stated numerous of times before, if it came out that Deshaun Watson did everything that he did was true, 
he ha- he has to face the full consequences of his actions. But for for the time being, we don't know. He all of his cases have been dropped or whatever, and all of these people have this uproar, like this man saying, "How would you feel if your child? How would you feel if your own child's role model was a pervert?" The same thing can be said for a lot of the people that you guys look up to anyway. Like you stated on numerous of times, Ben Roethlisberger. I I like him as a quarterback, but he was on um, he was on um, trial for rape. And yes, he his trial came back and he won the case. But people are acting like he you know he did no wrong and he's back to being a glow. And I understand like he found Christ in his life and that's great and that's all and it's fine. But it's a lot of other instances. In case, in matter of fact, our former president, then Donald Trump, this is a guy that a lot of people look up to, um, thought he was amazing. But it was numerous of times where you saw him on film grabbing women by certain areas of their body that they shouldn't be grabbed by, and y'all rolled for him. So what's the difference? Like you guys are saying, like he's a pervert. Our former president was a pervert, and you voted for him, and you loved him. And you right. thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. Like stop, like stop criticizing people for what they. If you're gonna criticize people for what they do, criticize everybody and not just one specific individual, because it's somebody that you personally feel like you don't like. Deshaun Watson doesn't deserve to criticize. If you go, if you're gonna criticize Deshaun Watson, criticize Donald Trump. If you go, if you're not gonna criticize Donald Trump, don't criticize Deshaun Watson. And granted, like I stated, I feel like if he if he comes out that the stuff that he did was was true, he deserved the full punishment of the law. He deserves to pay the consequences for his actions. But until that point, he's innocent to prove him guilty. And I'm not saying that because he's a black man, but that is a big part of the reason why I'm saying this is because y'all are in Oprah because a black man did this, but then if it was a white guy, y'all would be like, he, he didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, case in point with Ben Roethlisberger, that was just something that was never really talked about. And kind of continuing on on your tangent, it's like, it's very interesting how all of a sudden people want to act like they care about what happens to women. I mean, there have been so many athletes who've been charged or have literally gotten in trouble for domestic violence. Ray Rice was one of those guys. Um, the kick, Tyreek Hill, which is a big reason why I don't like him as a human being. Kareem Hunt, a running back on the Browns. There is literally a video of him kicking a woman in the face. The kicker for the Giants. And there are, unfortunately, there are so many more players that could be mentioned. However, they've gotten nowhere near. And Chad Wheeler, the offensive lineman for the um, Seahawks, who beat the crap out of his girlfriend. However, they didn't get the same amount of blowback, even though there was proof that they did it. And some on numerous occasions. However, for Deshaun, like, don't get me wrong. 22 allegations, that's a lot. So I'm not going to sit here and just play. I'm sure at least something, he must have done something wrong. But if it's not to the level of criminal charges being pressed, there's nothing you can do. There's really nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. It's happened. So, like you mentioned, like I just feel like he's unduly getting a lot of flack and catching a lot of crap. And it's weird because it's like, so you're going to tell me none of the teams, no team was just going to look at Deshaun Watson because of this? Are you kidding me? There are so many teams that if Deshaun Watson would have given them the time of day, they would have pulled the trigger. And I, I don't blame them. 
I don't blame him. Deshaun Watson, when he played, was a top five, at worst, maybe top seven quarterback. So don't just sit here and act like the NFL or just any sports league is just so moral to where if you commit one bad thing, you're done. You're not going to be done if you can play. And Deshaun Watson is a hell of a player. And as a Ravens fan, I don't feel like watching him play twice a season. And it's not only just like going back to the morality of the NFL. I hate to say this because he is my all-time favorite player in the history of the NFL. But Ray Lewis was charged with murder. And people joke about it, but nobody talks about it. Like, nobody Nobody makes it that serious of a thing. Yes, nobody makes it that serious of a thing. Like, every is you have had numerous of cases with the NFL, especially with the NFL. Yeah. Where it's been athletes that have done things that aren't morally right, and they kind of get burst. Like, they might get a suspension. on Deshaun Watson. I will say this, though. The fact that he got that contract, I can understand why that would make people upset. Because it's like you're rewarding the bad behavior. Because 230 mil fully guaranteed, that's a whole hell of a lot of money. That's more than anybody else in the league is making, period. And so I understand how that's a bad look, especially coming off of the allegations. So I get... In that retrospect, I understand the frustration. But until he gets proven guilty of anything, which he has not, let it freaking go. That's all I ask. But let's go ahead and move on to a positive note. Week two of free agency was definitely not as high-powered as the second, as the first week of free agency. But there was still some nice moves, whether it be trade or signings. So what we're going to do now is list some of our favorites. Ethan, I don't know if you have three, but I got three favorite moves. Uh, I don't. Okay. I've been, like, after the big week, I kind of haven't been in the loop when it came down to trades and things. It really hasn't been. Like, aside from the trades that we mentioned, it really hasn't been any. And plus, there's still some really big-name free agents still out there. I'm going to run through my list. Number three, Shaq Mason guard being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, They lost Alex Kappa. He's going to uh, Cincinnati. They need to replace him. Put a good line in front of Tom Brady. Here you go. He played with Tom Brady for a number of years. Not going to be too much of a problem. Two, playoff Lenny returning to the Bucks because, honestly, 
why not? Of course he's going to go back to the Bucks. Ronald Jones is gone. He's finally going to get his RB1 opportunities that he should have been getting in the first place. I'm very excited to see what Leonard Fournette does this year. And then number one, Lyle Collins going to the Bengals. As he told Joe Burrow, I'm your new bodyguard. Nobody's going to touch you. The Bengals have done a lot of really good things to help bolster their offensive line. So congratulations to them for that. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And we're going to start off with the Houston Texans. With so many, so much draft capital, one may assume that they are going to make an effort to draft a quarterback. But however, that does not seem to be the case. The Texans are reportedly likely to use their draft picks this year to build around second-year quarterback Davis Mills. Davis Mills played pretty solid at quarterback. In my opinion, he was the second-best-looking rookie. So, believable or buffoonery, the Texans are making the right choice by sticking by Davis Mills. I think they are making the right choice. Um, he showed flashes of being a potential franchise quarterback. I mean, I I remember him beating my Titans and making that last game of the season really, really competitive against the Titans. And if you... If you show the flashes, why not put some weapons around him and really see what he can do? Yep, feel you on that. I say believable as well, especially because this, yeah, this quarterback group right now is not the most exciting. And so I ride out with Davis Mills. It's not like the Texans are really going to be playing for anything. So worst come to worst, he looks bad. You draft somebody next year. Best case scenario, you get a quarterback who can kind of run the tide. Nothing wrong with that. All right, moving on to the Cleveland Browns again. More specifically, their wide receivers. As we all know, Odell Beckham Jr., had some struggles in Cleveland, leaves Cleveland, goes to the Rams, wins a Super Bowl, maybe because he had a good quarterback. And now the Cleveland Browns have a good quarterback of their own, which has got people talking about a potential reunion with OBJ in Cleveland. So, believable or buffoonery, the Cleveland Browns will find a way to bring back Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I can see some belief in it. I think it, I think from the Odell standpoint, if you want to hinge on Jarvis, if Jarvis comes back, I can see Odell resigning there for a bit minimum. Because, like, even though he had a great run with the Rams, and he um he showed them that, like, hey, he's not washed. But coming off another injury of that magnitude, he's not going to garner a lot of money. He, he's going to probably overperform whatever contract he gets. So why not go back to Cleveland and be with your best friend again with a a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I could see that. Um, for me, I'm gonna say buffoonery. Just I don't think they'll be able to bring back both. I could possibly see Jarvis, but I don't know about Odell. Cause honest, but well, I thought I was gonna sneeze. Um, but the biggest reason why is because I feel like there are other teams better positioned than the Browns right now. To make an offer, like, for example, the Green Bay Packers would make a lot of sense because, I mean, they lost Devontae Adams. They need somebody to come in. E bringing in either Jarvis or Odell makes them the best receiver on the roster. Um, same could be said for the Chiefs right now. They could hope to bring in one of those two guys or the Saints who need more bodies alongside Michael Thomas. So, as of right now, I'm going to say buffoonery, but I could see it happening. Um, so with all the trades and moves and free agency, it seems like all the talent, especially at quarterback, 
and skill positions are heading to the AFC. So much so that general manager for the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, jokingly said that he's voting for a conference realignment. I don't think this is going to happen, but believable or buffoonery, the NFL should realign the conferences to make it more even. Buffoonery, I think that for the longest, the NFC was always the dominant division, so now it's the AFC's turn, so don't realign. Yeah, I don't think it would make sense, too, because that would just cause a whole bunch of confliction. I mean, the past couple of years, the AFC has been stronger, but the NFC has pulled out Super Bowl championships. So it's all fun and games. Let them tire themselves out, and then once the playoffs hit, the NFC can prove their worth. One of the biggest teams making a name for themselves in the AFC are the Los Angeles Chargers, who have gotten a lot of people talking from their free agency moves. Um, from bringing in J.C. Jackson, trading for Khalil Mack, re-signing Mike Williams. They've been doing quite a bit, so much so that Marcellus Wiley um, made the comment that the AFC West is Justin Herbert's to lose. Believable or buffoonery, the Chargers should be considered the favorites for the AFC West. Initially, I would have said no, but now of the tra- with the trade for Tyreek Hill, I kind of say yes. And the reason being is because we're going to look at a, a completely different Kansas City team. They're going to have to adjust um, for the time being. It looks like Juju's going to be their wide receiver one. And we've seen him in the position of wide receiver one before in Pittsburgh. Obviously, it might change in Kansas City. So, um, but with everything stated, I might have some stock in the it's just the purpose division of lose now. Yeah, I would agree with that because, I mean, even before Tyreek Hill was traded, I would go out on a limb to say that the Chargers had the best top-to-bottom roster in the division. And I think that now they've only – they've just been adding while teams like the Char- – I mean, not Chargers, the Chiefs have been losing pieces. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I would say it's believable. All right, one more thing. So – Colin Kaepernick, for the past several years, the questions have become, is Colin Kaepernick going to get a chance? Is Colin Kaepernick going to get signed? Lately, he's been working out with NFL players, such as wide receiver Tyler Lockett for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, former Steelers backup quarterback Josh Dobbs, and it seems like he possibly has been impressing people. Um, His private trainer, David Robinson, said that at least five teams have called about Colin Kaepernick. I don't know how true that is, but believable or buffoonery, Colin Kaepernick will make a return to the NFL this season. Buffoonery. I don't even have to go into detail, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I think Warren Moon said it best. He said that he doesn't think it's going to happen because the NFL doesn't want to bring up this conversation again. It's, it's not happening. All right, so last thing. A little quick game of quarterback, would you rather? You mentioned it earlier, Baker Mayfield. He's still currently a member of the Cleveland Browns, and it seems that their team is having a hard time trading him, whether it be his poor play last year, um, his $18 million cap hit, or both of those things combined. He's had a tough time finding a trade. Same could also be said for quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. He's uh, underwent shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder, which seemed to have given teams pause, making teams not really know if they really want to make the investment to book bring him in. Apparently, they were 49ers were offered two second-round picks for Garoppolo, but John Lynch apparently wants more. So let's say you're a team desperate for a quarterback. Which quarterback would you rather pull the trigger on, Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and the reason being is because he's received 
a lot of the things surrounding him comes with he he isn't always on the field. And for me, he's a professional. Like, he isn't going to, in my opinion, he hasn't been a locker room distraction in any way, form, or fashion. Even in the midst of, like, this past season where it was a known fact that he wanted to be traded, he played out the rest of his He played out the rest of this season and remained professional. Actually led them to an improbable playoff run and was a consummate professional the whole way. Whereas Baker, he's been, he he's like, people use the word fiery, but he has like an attitude problem where he can be, he wants, sometimes he's shown like the it's me versus the team mentality. Yeah. And I don't want that in my quarterback. I agree with you on a very spiritual level. Yeah, I'm taking Jimmy G as well. I mean, I think you really hit it on the head, like just in terms of being a professional and never being a locker room distraction. You've never had family members of his wide receivers or his teammates calling out Jimmy G. We've seen that multiple times with Baker Mayfield. We've never, if anything, Jimmy G's teammates like Debo Samuel and like Travis, I mean not Travis, uh, George Kittle have been very complimentary of him as opposed to the Baker Mayfield situation where it's like none of his teammates are going to publicly be like, oh, he sucks. But they're never, they're not riding for as hard for him as I've seen other players do. And so because of that, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm definitely going the Jimmy G route. But all right, let's go ahead, change gears, talk to NBA Ethan, what are your top three takeaways of this past week of action? Um, the Suns are about to get really – they've already been a really good team, but it's about to get interesting with CP3 coming back last night. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies have probably the best chemistry alongside with the Suns out of all the teams in the NBA right now. And having a full-time Kyrie Irving now that the mandate has been lifted for – athletes and entertainers in New York, that's going to be a huge boost for the Knicks because when he's been on the court, he's been, like, he's been next level. Like, even the game against the Grizzlies, like, the stuff that he was doing, like, I started to get nervous watching the game. Like, oh, my God, these folks are there. They're about to win, and Kyrie's about to bring them back by himself. So, those are my three takes. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our Mamba players of the week. Starting out of the Eastern Conference, for me, I'm going to show love to Trey Young. I mean, what better way to further emphasize being a villain than balling out in Madison Square Garden, drop 45 points on the Knicks, and did so in a way that you could just tell every Knicks fan wanted to kill him. And I think that really just kind of goes to the legend of Ice Trey and just why he is one of those guys who – even though in terms of the point guard conversation, he may not get as much attention, but in those moments, he always tends to find a way to step up. So I'm going to show love to Trey Young. Uh, for me, I'm going to show love to Joel Embiid, even though I know he sat out a couple games against Miami, but when he's on the court, he's still been a dominant force. And I feel like out of the East, it's kind of just been him and KD throughout the whole course of the season. But I gotta show love to who I feel like is going to be the MVP. He he deserves it. If he doesn't win MVP, I think Philly might riot. All right, moving on to the Western Conference. 
Ja Morant said it first, and I'm in agreement with him. He said, put some respect on D-Book's name, and I am doing just that. My rookie, I mean, not rookie, my Western Mamba of the week is Devin Booker. I mean, put on an absolute show last night against the Nuggets, 49 points, 10 assists, and four rebounds, even in the return of Chris Paul. And when Chris Paul was out, he was still balling out. Dropped 28 um, the game before, 31 the game before that. I mean, he just has not been able to have a bad game this past week of action. I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that, especially helping to lead the team to be the first Western Conference team to uh, get playoff, uh, secure their playoff spot. Yeah, I'm also in agreement with Devin Booker. He's been, since the Chris Paul injury, he's been lights out. He's honestly been lights out the whole season. And just this past night, he put up 49 and team against the Denver Nuggets in a highly contested game, and he was the difference maker, so I got to go deep book. All right, so moving on to our rookie Mamba of the week. This is somebody who I don't think he'll be able to overtake Evan Mobley for rookie of the year, but he's been balling, and that's Cade Cunningham. I know the Pistons are terrible, but Cade has not been the reason for them playing bad. I mean, another player in this past week of action that's been doing it all for his team just dropped 25 a couple of nights ago. I mean, he's really been one of those standout players for Detroit. Um, I'm going to show a little bit of hometown love. I'm going to say Zaire Williams. Um, his numbers from a scoring standpoint, they haven't been spectacular. But he's really been he's really been an improving force for the Grizzlies. He's been in some tough situations guarding like some of the better players in the NBA. He guarded Kyrie Irving. He guarded Kevin Durant. Even this past um this past game, he guarded the uh, Pacers like better players and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hill. And he's shown that he could be um somewhat of a defensive piece that you can throw into the rotation of players. And he's improving as far as an offensive standpoint. Like his three point percentages have risen. His overall field goal percentages have risen. And he's just been a somewhat quiet key call in what's been going on in Memphis. I feel you on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some league news, starting off with the retirement of Jamal Crawford. Early this week, The one of the greatest six men of all time took to Twitter to say goodbye to the game, all the spoils, the adrenaline, the rush. Thank you, basketball. I owe you everything. Officially cementing his retirement at the age of 42. I mean, Jamal Crawford was definitely one of those guys who coming off the bench. There's not many players you could say were better than him. Um... He was a bad man. So, in your opinion, do you think he retires as the greatest sixth man of all time? Uh, yes, because uh, actually, no, he's still Manu no, because Manu has championships. But he's in the he's like second. That's fair. I would I could see him definitely in that top three conversation. Manu Ginobili being up there, of course. Um, I think Lou Will will definitely. Once he retires, he'll definitely have a, a place up there. Lamar Odom was another great one. But, yeah, top three for sure in terms of greatest six men 
of all time. All right, let's go ahead and change gears. Let's talk some of the latest NBA injury news, starting with forward John Collins for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, he currently has a tear in his right foot and damage in his right finger, meaning he will be out indefinitely. He'd been playing through the pain of a plantar fasciitis fissure tear in his foot and other pains for week now, but now the team is hoping to shut him down in hopes that he will be ready for the playoffs. Another key um, piece of injury news, Damian Lillard, after having abdominal surgery over a month ago, the team has officially shut him down for the rest of the season, saying that he will not be playing. Reportedly, Lillard has been making tremendous progress and has looked strong in workouts, but the team will not rush him back to the court with just 12 games remaining in the regular season, especially because more than likely the Trailblazers will not be making the playoffs. Another one that I'm sure is hitting you close to home, John Morant is expected to be out for at least two more weeks um, with a knee injury. However, the Grizzlies have been balling without him on the court, 15-2. and two, So hopefully he'll be able to be back and better than ever once the playoffs roll around. And then finally, some good news for my sorry, sorry Lakers. Anthony Davis is expected to come back within the next week. Um, reportedly, if everything continues to progress well in Davis's rehab, the all-star big man could be suiting up for the games by the first week of April at the earliest. So talking about Anthony Davis, this is what, the second, third time he's come back from an injury this season. Personally, if I'm the Lakers, I don't think that I would rush him into full minutes. I would try to ease him into it. But let's say you're the Lakers front office. What are you doing? trying to vie for their play-in seed and to potentially make the playoffs, then you bring him in and you make him and you have him as a full go a full go. If you're kinda along the lines of like, hey, this season is a wash. We obviously we know that we have some obvious issues with our roster that we have to fix, then ease him in, give him a minutes restriction and go from there. So but I personally would say with the with the simple fact that if you have a, a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron, we've already seen what they do well to do as far as playoff um playoff projection and like how far they can go. I would bring them back and try to vie for their play in spot and vie for the playoffs. That's what I would do. I feel that. Like I said, I just I wouldn't want to risk him getting hurt again just because in no uncertain terms, AD is kind of fragile. And so I wouldn't want to risk him getting hurt again, especially if we do reach that plan. The closer we got to the plan, that's when I would play him more. But at least these first couple of games, we would definitely we would definitely be easing him in and just kind of hoping for the best. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery, starting with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, it's been reported that Kimba has been Kimba Walker has been working out in Charlotte and could potentially return to the Hornets. As we know, this current season with the Knicks, despite having some really high highs, he still it was not necessarily a great fit, leading to him having his season shut cut short. So, Ethan, believable or buffoonery, the Hornets should look to bring back Kimba Walker next offseason. Um, uh, I think they should. I don't know if he might he probably he might not be a productive player, especially up to the standard that he was. He definitely will be coming off the bench. But I think he could be a guy that you could bring in, 
he can create help create a culture for the Hornets because the Hornets are like one of those friends playoff teams to where he's they shown flashes of being really good and they shown flashes of being not so good and it's those growing pains of being kind of a younger team. And one of those things is I feel like his um hindered them is the fact that one of their one of the few veterans that they have on their roster in Gordon Hayward has been injury prone these past couple seasons because it's um I remember I remember reading something or hearing something where it's when Gordon Hayward was on the court, their team is well above 500. And when he's not on the court, they're either at or below 500. So I think if you're, if you're in, able to bring in Kimball, uh, he could probably give you 10 to 15 points coming off the bench. But he could help create a winning culture in Charlotte. Yep, I, I agree with you in terms of belief, especially because I feel like you could get him relatively cheap. You wouldn't have to spend too much money to try to bring him in. And like you said, kind of provide that veteran leadership. Unfortunately, he hasn't had much of a winning pedigree throughout his career just from his time with the Hornets and other teams where he's kind of been bouncing around. But he does have that veteran qualities, and I think that he could really um, help LaMelo kind of refine his game a bit and uh, make the most of his time on the court. All right, speaking of making the most of the time on the court, the Lakers, as I mentioned, have been a bit of a dumpster fire. So much so that it's even got Malik Monk kind of talking about the Lakers team dynamic. He told ESPN, older guys yelling at the rookies because it's their fault. Everything they do, it's your fault out there because they know everything and you don't. And when you mess up, you just got to take it. You got to deal with things like that. Needless to say, the Lakers locker room does not seem like a lot of fun. So much so that it's begging the question of, Believable or buffoonery, the Lakers have become a toxic environment. Uh, I think it's believable. I mean, we've seen on numerous occasions where LeBron has been furious, what Russell has been his typical self, which can be a mixed bag of being a great, fun-loving guy to be around, to being a guy that is um somewhat of a a brutish person and so yeah and it, it's easy to become toxic when you're losing yeah so i'm going to have to say yeah i would agree with that as well especially considering most of these guys on this team are not used to or at least the top players are not used to losing lebron james in no period of his career has ever been a loser and that's something you know you have to commend him for. Russell Westbrook, you can say what you want about him, but he's not a loser. I believe every season he's been in the league, maybe besides one, he's made the playoffs. Well, yeah. I think besides like one season, he's been in the playoffs. I'm sure that's frustrating. And then I think it's two. One or two. Either way, majority of his time in the league, he's been in the playoffs. And then you can make the same argument for Anthony Davis, who, yes, his time with the Pelicans was not extraordinary, but that last year when he fully played, especially when they had um, Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins there, they made the playoffs. Didn't do much in there, but they did make it to the dance. And since he's been with the Lakers, they've made it to the dance. So because of that, yeah, I'm, I would say I find it believable. I think that it's just a very frustrating time for everybody because this is not the team that everybody expected to be this bad coming in. Like, I know we kind of talk about them being old and not knowing how they were going to work, but usually I think we've gotten so accustomed to seeing LeBron James on the team and fi- just thinking they're going to find a way to figure it out. Well, the Lakers have not found a way to figure it out, and so I could definitely see that leading to some frustration. 
Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Denver Nuggets, a team that have been winning quite a bit over these past few years, and a big reason for that is their head coach, Michael Malone, who signed a multi-year extension um, this past Wednesday. Now, Malone, who just had the next season remaining on his deal, will now be tied to the franchise through what it hopes to be the window of championship contention over the next few years. So, over under, let's just say a five-year benchmark, believable or buffoonery, the Denver Nuggets will win a ring within the next five seasons. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say buffoonery because I think there's a lot that's going to go into that. Uh, one of them, two, a big thing is the health of Jamal Murray when he comes back from this ACL injury. What's he going to look like? Because typically an ACL injury takes two years to fully recover and look like the, the way that you were, like your old self. And also just the status of Michael Porter Jr. I think this is his, he's had his third back surgery in a little over two or three years. And we both, as a sports fan, you know when, when a player has back injuries, that could be the sign of their career ending. I need Trace to great. Um, even Dwight Howard, even though he's still a productive player to some extent, he had to reinvent himself in order to be able to still play in today's NBA. So those things, and it's also, you know, it's hard to say a team's going to win a championship with any coming year because you, it's just so unpredictable. Like, case in point, this year, we a lot of people saw the playoff field in the Western Conference being something completely different. No one, including myself, saw the Grizzlies being a number two seed. So it's just such an up and down thing that it's hard to say that the team's going to win a championship. So I'm going to say buffoonery. I'll say buffoonery as well. Like you mentioned, I mean, it's hard to really predict what a team is going to be able to do. But just right now, I feel like with the Nuggets' current roster, even if they are fully healthy, I don't think that they're, I hate to say not championship material, but I don't think that they really – I don't think they do it just because I feel like they need a few more pieces. Like, Nikola Jokic is the man. That is undisputed. But I feel like they put more pieces around him who can really help contribute even more than just, you know, Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. I think that they could really do some nice things. But as of right now, I don't really see it happening. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Another – Topic of conversation that I know you care about. It's John Morant back in the news, of course, being talked about by ESPN. And he's gotten a lot of fans this season. Even Chris Mad Dog Russo on first take um, made the comment that John Morant is better than Allen Iverson. I know both of us are, don't agree with that, but I'll change the question around a bit. Believable or buffoonery, John Morant will have a better overall career than Allen, Robin, Allen Iverson. I'm going to say buffoonery because we're too early in his career to know. Um, it's another thing is like it's hard to predict these things with the long term of people's careers, especially when it's Josh. Just it's just Josh's third season in the NBA. Like if he's if his trajectory is to stay where it is now, I will say yes, but it's uncertain. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm saying buffoonery as well, just because. Too many things can happen over the course of his career. Like, yes, he's electrifying. Yes, he's a bad man. But 
unfortunately injuries play a role and as you get older typically your play is going to deteriorate so it's just going to be a matter of once job begins to get older and his play style has to change will he be able to adjust to be able to do the things that he needs to do and if that is yes then there you go but all right last question before we make our game picks for tonight as you mentioned earlier um Kyrie Irving is going to be allowed to play in home games soon. Um, on Thursday, the NYC vaccine mandate has been rolled back, which means that Kyrie will be cleared to play home games at Barclays Center, as well as Yankees and Mets players who have not received the vaccine. They'll be able to play at home prior to opening day. So what does that mean for the Nets? As of right now, they are the eighth seed, currently 38-35 and 35 for the season couple more weeks left in the season, about 10 to 12 games more, believable or buffoonery. With Kyrie full-time, the Nets will become a top-five seed. Uh, I'm going to say buffoonery simply because I think they have a, a really big uphill climb to make. But I'll say this, that with the full-time Kyrie, once he gets to the playoffs, it doesn't matter what seed they are. Whether it's eight through one, it really doesn't. Because that roster completely healthy, even without having Ben Simmons on their roster, when you have a healthy Kyrie Irving, a healthy Steph Curry, a healthy Andre Drummond, a healthy Kevin Durant, a healthy Patty Mills, like that roster is really dangerous. And yes, they might not necessarily have a lot of production from a bench standpoint, but that front line of their roster can do a lot of damage. Yeah, um, I'll say believable. I could see it happening. As of right now, I think that they're what? I'm looking at the standings now. They are four games behind the Bulls, and they're the Bulls are fifth seed. I think that they can do it. They're only three games behind the Raptors and Cavs, and I think they have a pretty favorable schedule. I think that especially because Kyrie will be more rested because he hasn't been playing as much. I think that they will be able to get in the top five. Worst case scenario, I think that they move up to like six so they won't have to be in a play-in situation. But all right, let's make our game picks for tonight, starting off with the Washington Wizards versus the Detroit Pistons. I'm going to go Pistons, I think. Yeah, I'll go Pistons. I'm going to go Wizards. Utah Jazz versus the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going Jazz. Jazz. Golden State Warriors versus the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going to go Warriors. I'm going to go Hawks. New York Knicks versus the Miami Heat. I got the Miami Heat. I got Heat. Dallas Mavericks versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. I got Mavs. Mm, I got Timberwolves. Houston Rockets versus the Portland Trailblazers. I'm going to go Portland. Yeah, I got Portland. And then the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Los Angeles Clippers. I got 76ers. I got 76 All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure to check out the xreport.net. I repeat, the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we close out this bad boy? Oh, uh, go Grizz. Get out to our feelings about Deshaun Watson. And, uh, yeah, just, just treat people right. That's a that's a great way to end it. Um, Yeah, I'm going I'm to piggyback off of that. Just treat people right because life is already hard enough. So don't be an asshole. 
And also, yeah, go Grizz. I mean, Lakers, I hope y'all pull it together. I mean, if not, I wouldn't really be surprised by that at this point. Also, for football fans, my next um, mock draft will be coming out sometime within the next week. So be on the lookout for that as well as the 2021 NFL redraft. A lot of draft stuff will be coming out within the next month or so with the draft getting closer and closer. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you all next time.